Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the DJ Sessions Presents the Virtual Sessions. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and coming in all the way from Los Angeles, California, we have Robot Knock. 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 Oh, gosh, I thought I had it right before the show. I had it so close and I was getting it right. Robot, how you doing today? I'm good. It's Robot Koch or Robot Koch. 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 Yes. Scotch without the S. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> there we go. Well, thank you for coming on the DJ sessions today. I'm looking forward to our interview and uh, having some fun with you. And uh, just want to jump right into things. And um, you've been a little busy as of late doing some stuff. And uh, you have an upcoming album coming out here that I'd like to talk with you about. Um, and I, I, I want to, I, I was kind of when I was researching you and and, and looking up some stuff, it kind of seems like you have a theme going on. And is is Foam and Sand, the name of the album, is that part of a of a um is that part of a theme that's been going on? And I just kind of see that you have a connection between evolution. Is is that a word that would I would use in, in the right term? Yeah. Evolution is a good word. Um, it's both true personal evolution and musical evolution. If you think about when I started out, my first album came out uh, on Project Moon Circle, which is a Berlin-based label. Um, it was more like the beatmaker tip, you know, and I think I evolved from there. My music got more and more spheric along the way. It always had that kind of um, seed sort of grained. Even in the beatmaker stuff, there was always like some, some atmospheric stuff around it. I I kind of sliced off a lot of stuff that I felt wasn't necessary. Yeah, yeah I guess I was just trying to more and more get the quintessential, uh, you know, convey in my music. And it was like trimming, it was like, you know, more excessive things became a little more um, simplified. A lot of the mixing, you know, I, I think we might talk about mixing and production later but a lot of the main stuff you know just going through the tracks and be like, like what is actually needed here you know and just like try to things turn off things that aren't really um adding and so yeah long story short evolution also in terms of personal evolution i came to los angeles eight years ago which was a big transformation big pivotal moment in personal life and yeah, and I think the music always mirrors that, you know. So yeah, long, definitely a theme. And now, Foam and Sand, you've released actually your first track off of that um, called Circle Twenty Eight. Tell us, uh, tell us the definition, tell us the meaning behind that track, and and why that one is that the first track on the album? Is it going to be a sequential release, or is this like which? Tr how does that fit with the release of the album? Sure. I mean, um, so they're all, all called Circles. Uh, just to rewind a little band, all, all the album is also called Form and Sand. It's sort of self-titled. Form and Sand is my ambient couch, was my main project. And then during the pandemic, I wasn't able to tour in my studio like we all were. And uh, experimenting, uh, started experimenting with, with tape loops, slicing little tape uh, cassettes and making them loop and recording my synth of these really irregular loops. It's not like a mechanical loop like on the laptop, which is a perfect loop. It's more like wonky and wobbly and uh, it's beautiful and it's imperfection. So foam and sand is like tape loop, uh, ambient compositions. Mm -hmm. um, and the second foam and sand album, the first one came out a year ago, was called full circle titled called foam and sand um and it's all based around these tape loops so that's why because they're essentially built around these loops um but then i would compose stuff and circle 28 just happens to be the first one because uh, the track me and the um guys from the team that work on me with that good first single so we just decided for that you know 
more like a gut feeling than like a super logical. And what gives you what what gives you really the inspiration to to make music? Well, yeah, that's well, a very philosophical question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was your strongest motivation to pursue I like it. I like a it. career in music? I like it. Um, I'm gonna try to take. I mean, my biggest inspiration is actually nature. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I get islands too. I know, I know it sounds kind of lofty, but for me, just like not having any input is more interesting myself with stuff. Of course, I listen to music, and of course, I, you know, um, test methods and whatnot. You know, I'm not, not like excluding myself from all that. But I do find when I kind of retreat from a lot of input that I have most of my output, you know? So it could be like, it could be just like that weekend off where I just like drove to Joshua Tree, uh, which are in rent a little cabin and, you know, just like go off grid for a little bit. He has come out, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, that's that's a big inspiration. Just like uh, sensory, less is more, you know? You know? Um, and when you say, oh, and I think I was say, yeah. go, go connecting ahead. connecting with with nature, you know your label, trees and cyborgs. Yeah, it's science like like again, I go to that that word evolution. Like we started with nature, and then you're kind of seeing, is there a long term evolutional process that we're going to see that's going to go now into this Neo Tokyo Tron virtual reality kind of switch <laughs> with. Ro robots music because i mean it's robot robot i mean but your nature you know? i know yeah yeah just like little because my real name is robert Koch, and yeah. then i was in this band and like 15 years ago and i had really sleeping always working on music and the singer she nicknamed me robot so my solo thing it was kind of already already given to me you know it was just robot um that's all about you know the trees obviously symbolize nature and then cyborgs is like that technology element you know and i think my music is always like a marriage of these two because it's very it's very nature inspired but then i also embrace the whole like technology side and like the futuristic envelope in terms of production so i thought it was like a good um archetypal cyborgs these two seemingly unrelated things coming together and and now i mean i found it now it seems to be even more relevant with like the whole advent of AI becoming and, and, and you know where are we even going with this you know, it's, it's a fascinating topic I mean I'm also in terms of how AI is going to generate content in the future uh, you know where we're like is it going to make music is it going to replace musician is it going to you know these are all important questions and um it I kind of reflect on them. And it's funny you bring that up because I just saw a post online about a, um, there was an art contest and the winner mm -hmm. that won the contest won with an AI generated piece of artwork. Ha. Huh. Yeah. There you go. Well, it, and, and it's some element that I think AI can't do yet is, um, I'm a living, you know, it's not living art to me. You know, it maybe might be able, might be like very pleasing and like technically well done. But my question is to be a living art that comes from a living source, uh, and that live. So can AI be inspired? It can only be fed with data. So that can be it's the data that's fed into it, and the, the algorithms and the codes and everything it's based on. That's known up until now, you know. Of course, it can can be it can be generative, but it can only what's already been inputted, so to speak, you know. So mm -hmm. if you think about inspiration, aha moments where you just like have this out of the box idea, I think that only can connection to something. That's at least maybe I'm maybe I'm like like uh, sugar coating. I don't want to uh, want AI to take over. But I really do think there's something living beings, humans are connected to that AI isn't connected to. And that has to do mm -hmm. with a 
the um, potential that it can't replace. Also, it doesn't suffer, you know what I mean? Like music being like a channeling of like a shitty time you're going. Like AI has a shitty time. Like how is it going to like make a song that makes you cry experience that it had? It didn't have a real experience, you know? It can only mimic songs and it can probably do that really well. But, but again, like where's like a genuine like from a human being? I don't, I don't think it can copy that. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Now, did you come from a, a musical family? Um, was there not at all? Not no, at all. I mean, you, you started playing. That's a businessman. I was going to say you started playing the drums at six, and then the piano at thirteen. And um, I started on piano. I was a terrible student. My teacher told my mom, <laughs> "You're wasting like the worst. It's not making any, any progress." And then when I was a teenager I really wanted to play it good because I was excited about playing the drums and I was I guess like a, a good drum and then I came back to the piano so I was in hindsight I was glad my, my mom made me go because they're very valuable now in like my production composition stuff but yeah piano and, then- and we're going to talk about what your biggest break was as an artist but before you got your biggest break, who had been your biggest influence when it comes to your career and why? When you were a youth, who did you, who did you look up to as an artist? Like, I want to be like such and such, or I like listening to such and such. Who would be that one biggest yeah. influence? If you could choose, if you could choose one, I know that might be hard. <laughs> it's really hard, man, because also my music taste is so eclectic earlier, right? So I actually started out um, just listening to whatever my mom listened to and stuff, like CB Wonder Four Tops. That's what she was pumping in the house. My mom, my dad was something that was playing in the background on the radio, like not paying attention to it. So it was like the first. But then when I got excited about playing the drums, it was actually more like hardcore and all kinds of like extreme guitar music, and also the technical aspect really punched me about like you know slayer like super fast double bass playing and stuff that was that was just like too so if you would have asked my 16 year old self um my heroes were all day you know but i clearly evolved from there i was having a friend who was a bit older tapes and like um record recommendations and he, he turned me on to john coltrane like moon dog and like 70s stuff stuff and so I pivoted from to obscure um 70s stuff and jazz digging I got into hip hop because those cats sampled those records <laughs> and from hip hop I got so it's so hard to say in all, all these episodes in my life there was always a hero you know player at 13 it was Wu-Tang clan age like 16 you know, increments so, so it's hard to say this this, this is the one you know uh, fair enough fair enough i somebody asked me to pick i think that'd be a very hard one as well as a industry okay. professional though has there been anyone that's been an influence on you once you started pursuing an actual career in music at what age did you actually start pursuing a career like when when did you make your first track or your first album what, yeah. what year was that so I always made music as a teenager, but it did like a career option to me. I still finished school and I studied um, communication science and stuff, music on the side. And then it was in 2001 or 2000, releasing back in the day was my band, Jacuzzi, who I was the producer in, recorded some, some stuff and put it out on like local Berlin labels and stuff. So that was the beginning. You know, the- okay. what would you consider the big that 2001 was that your biggest break where your career actually launched and you started playing gigs or was there maybe a little bit more down the time because you've been at this for a, a while I mean oh, yeah. you got a good kind of a while <laughs> 20 years man it's crazy yeah crazy I mean for my solo thing it's been years now and prior to that I was you know in, in, in different projects and also working as I produced some of the um 
bigger German hip hop artists. So I had early on in my career and I signed to Sony um, publishing as a writer. But it's hard to say which break. I mean, there were pivotal moments like 2000, the legendary BBC radio host started playing Jacuzzi, my adopted wonderful and strange pop music from the future. This was 2003. And then he played all the greats, you know, like um, on his show. And this, this is something, right, you know? And then we started playing shows and started touring thing and stuff, which was fun. It was fun as, at first, like it really, but um, yeah, I don't know if there was a big break. There was all these, my, my music was used on a big television show here in the States, you know, uh, where even Shazam, all these Shazams for a song we don't have the fingerprint for, could you send us the MP3? Uh, then I released the song in hindsight because I didn't even know that show. It was called The Blacklist on NBC Time. And that song blew up. It has like 50 million streams. Now all happened through that show initially. Was, and then, yeah. was yeah. that one of the tracks that played? Did it play at the end of the show? I think it was like a like an important part in the show okay. that was playing like for two minutes. <clears throat> over like a montage scene, which was like a, a um, maybe switch in the in the narrative or whatever. So people mm -hmm. really connected with it. They tried to Shazam it. It wasn't yeah, cause I, out at the time. I know that um, oh, yeah, was I cool. know one, one of the things that they do on that show is they'll usually use a, a pretty famous track or a track that they play at the end of the, the series. I, I used to watch. I stopped watching. I haven't watched the last season. I need to catch up with Blacklist. Yeah. I, I, okay, I but you do know the show. I, I know the show very well, <laughs> very well. Nice. So um, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. Nice. If you could take a look at the, your list of productions you've done so far, and I know you have a very extensive list of productions, which of those stands out the most to you and why? I would say the ones that I have a personal emotional connection to, you know. Mm. It's like a, a song that album from um, the other side which came out 10 years ago or songs you know whatever i feel you know maybe anyone who makes music knows this sometimes you're onto something you know oftentimes you're excited and it's cool and you don't know where it's going but there's something you're like oh this is actually this is something here you know i think i'm onto something i actually always say music comes through me it doesn't come from me that's when i feel really connected like something's it's just I'm where that's coming from, you know. So, so those are the the standout ones for me, where I just like have thing from, from wherever that is, and put it into music, and there it is. People and has its life out there. Always exciting. Do you ever make music completely out of your own genre that that never gets released? Like is 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 Robert back there producing hip hop tracks and nobody ever they don't see the light of day. <laughs> um, I do produce hip hop tracks. I just uh, a couple of years ago <laughs> produced for Oliver Tree. He's an artist on Atlantic Records. It's kind of indie hip hop, like cross produced a single for him. Uh, but that wouldn't be a Robert Cutts track, you know, because but like you have to see, I'm an artist myself. Robert Koch and Foam and Sand, the second for other artists, and that can be cross genre, whatever you know. I like really. Thing is, I um, compose music for film and and um, video games. So these are like three um, pillars, so to speak, that I stand on. But they all inform each other. Usually, like the center, all my production work finds me because of the artist stuff. Even back in the day, those hip-hop artists years ago, they would sample my beats, you know, and then at some point they'd be like, oh, can you just like sampling your snares or whatever, or finding loops in your music. And with the films, due to the, the artist stuff that I released, that music supervisors or production asked me to get come and, and join the project, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's cool how that worked. 
you know, surrounding yourself with so many different avenues of production, people don't know that, you know, obviously people should know, or they don't, they don't know that producing means you're spending a lot of time sitting down in front of a computer or sitting down in front of a keyboard hours and hours and hours perfecting these, these tracks. What do you do in your free time to stay fit? Yeah, that's good. Um, I do yoga. I really love it. Um, I haven't done it in a while because I have a, and I just kind of need to cure it. It's just like a, like an inflammation in the hamstring, which is actually, and now I just need to rest a bit with that. But I love hiking too. You know, I just, it's like being a thing that I wake up, I meditate. I don't go on my phone right away. I do, do yagong or yoga or something. And then I go down to the studio and work or take, take a break, get a coffee, meet somebody for lunch, whatever. Then I come back until dinner. And then I just go and hike or, or do something, you know. So it's an hour of outdoor activity every every day. Plus, um, yeah, I can't say like I'm super fit because of that, but I'm just like counterbalance just sitting on my butt all day, you know. And, you know, do, do you ever get fed up sometimes with making and playing music? And if you do get frustrated... With that, how do you deal with that? It sounds like you do have a, an outside, your fit routine sounds like that's what you would do to deal with that. Or do you have other ways that you deal with that to get you back to the, to the, to the drawing board, to, to the keyboards, I guess? <laughs> yeah, I mean, taking breaks is really important. Even micro breaks, just like get up or something, you know. Especially when you feel stuck. Sometimes I feel like when I'm working on something, in a row it's not quite clicking this is a great moment to just step away from it because forcing it it's not getting better you know and um then just like frustration gets back yeah that's just not a space to create from i think really just taking breaks and like looking after yourself you know even sometimes i go and get him i just like you know like get some um positive sensations, you know, whatever it might be. It might be a massage, might be hiking, might be... Um, but just, like, looking after yourself, like, self-care, I guess is the word, you know, and whatever that... And invest in that, you know. I actually invest money in that because, I mean, the massage costs money, of course, that's not going to Joshua Tree for a weekend, renting a cabin. To me, that's an investment in myself making music there maybe i'm just like literally stargazing and t- taking long hikes and stuff i'm back so much more inspired because of that break and that's why i see it as an investment be money rather than me trying to make something work that's just uh, adding frustration anyway you know one of the awesome things that's happened to me this year in, in my busy schedule is Actually, over the last year, it was bringing on other team members to help out doing other projects and then being able to assign them other smaller projects. But right. um, recently, just meeting the love of my life, my girlfriend, and she's a uh, physical trainer, Pilates instructor, and really loves doing one thing. When she's off work, she wants to get out of the house and get in the sunshine, whether it's riding bikes, hiking, inner tubing, just nature based environments. And it's I would, before I met her, I would spend, I'd wake up, be in front of the computer from 8 a.m. till 2 a.m. every single day. Oh, my God. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it was it's just the way I lived my life. Yeah. You know? And I got the nightclubs. I got to be out there and doing what I do. And her coming in, and now that I've brought other people on board and they've offset some of that work, and my, my work schedule is now a 9 to 5 or 9 to 6 routine, afterwards, going out and getting that physical activity, getting that sunlight, that vitamin D. And I live in Seattle, so we're, we're in summertime now, but eight months out of the year, there's not a lot of sunlight, you know? Yeah. So, you know, but getting out of the house and like being active, whether it's rollerblading or exercise, do whatever she likes to do. And I'm like, oh, I love you so much. You get me out of the house and get me doing physical things rather than sitting in this chair plug it in because there's always right. something to work on at the DJ sessions. Like I say, I'm sure there's always something to work on your back end or a new project coming in. And uh, oh, yeah. so yeah. what's so the cool. longest time? Oh, go ahead. 
no, I just wanted to say it's like a great um, breakthrough in terms of like quality of life, you know, definitely good for you. Exactly. Thank you. What's been the longest time you've ever spent consecutively working on a track on the, in the studio on a track? I guess that's when I'm well, I did the TV show last year for Amazon prime. And it was only because I was getting so many notes um, that I needed to go back and change stuff or they would change the edit of the scene of me, how I composed it didn't work anymore because the edit changed. Changed. So that could take so many um, iterations. But when I write my own music, I longer than for like two or three days. I mean, that's like three days would be a long, long. It's a couple of hours. If the idea isn't there, then I'm doing something wrong. And then alone, revisiting it the next day, working on the arrangement and the mix visiting it just like fine tuning here and there and then it's got to be done if it, if it takes longer than that off the track for me for myself <laughs> that is a phenomenal turnaround time from what i hear in the industry <laughs> i have people telling me i have tracks that have been sitting here for two years and you know they come back and they revisit and they revisit over time i think it yeah. was um oh gosh there was an artist i was interviewing. i can't do that i lose the connection do that and it's it's an indie yeah, indicated to me if I just keep coming back to it, and I'm worse. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. You know, because I think a lot of the music making, um, it's intuitive and it's really about the moment. And if you do it and it feels good, guiding sense, you know, of like, oh, this feels good, this feels good. You know, you just like along the track, and if you lose that by being like way too mental and way too much in your head, then you lose track and then you're just like going in the wrong direction and you reverse engineering the whole thing. Yeah, I just, I'm not just speaking from my experience. I'm, I'm sure there's composers who can just go on something. It gets better for them. I'm just sharing my pers personal experience. So <laughs> that's what <it> gets. <laughs> If, if you could give one production tip or insight to new producers out there, what would that be? One uh, I love and I hate these questions. It's tangible, but I feel like, like it's never that simple. You know, there's so many things. I'm just going to give a random one. I'm not going to say that that's the one. Um, but it's commitment. Commitment is key. And that can show up in different ways. Commitment can be like, make it a daily practice. To Even if you're not making progress, just flex that muscle every day. Make sure you just like show up. It could also be, you know, if I'm working on with an analog synth and maybe I'm just like recording a jam minutes, just me like messing about with it. Then I go through the track and I find like one little, oh, this is a cool moment. I got to commit to that right away. I don't care if like three minutes down, I'm zoning in on this one, you know? And that's again, commitment. And I actually work, um, so I resample a lot of stuff on tape or I even record it right into Ableton. And then I delete the original track. So I rob myself of the undo function deliberately myself. <laughs> do I really love that? What I'm just making? And if I do, I print it, work forward. That's why I work only two or three days on a song because I make decisions all the time. If I don't love it, why is it even here? If I love it, okay, I'm going to fully commit to it, delete the original print with the effect I chose, and I keep going forward. So these are just like little things that I do. I, I was going to say, my next question was, is how much of, of a perfectionist are you? Because getting rid of the undo feature there, you're kind of locked and trapped. But you, I take it, wouldn't move on to that next step unless it is ready to go yeah. to that next step. Artist workflow. I wouldn't undo, uh, rob myself of the undo if I'm working on a film score. Actor comes back and he needs some changes. I need to have all the iterations and undos that I separate versions, etc. But I'm working on an artist track. I just made it a thing and it's just freeing, you know? 
and how much of a perfectionist I am. I would say I also don't believe in perfection. You know, I think we can always just get very close to perfection there. Um, so perfection is also a very subjective kind of benchmark. My sense of perfection is, am I happy with what I'm making? You know, mm. that's what I'm saying. If I print it, so I just commit to it, you know, and then that, that's perfect to me. Whether it could be 20% less, I don't care, you know, because I loved it. It was like, a, and I ran with it and I get to finish something something you know because what's the use of like working on finishing or releasing i think that's something that a lot of artists even like artists that i work with as producers they have great ideas but they just never materialize it you know it just stays on their hard drives as 15 of something you know and then they show up again and make version 16 but it just like what's the use of that you know um i'm just very practical i guess you know i think i'm more all about um, what does it do? Like, what's the result? I want something tangible. Mm -hmm. And if knowing the next question is is kind of a history or future question. Knowing what you know now, would you, if you could, go back twenty five years in time in music history, or forward fifty years forward in music future? Which one would you pick, mm -hmm. and why? go into the future just because I'm curious and I'm always fascinated by the unknown so that's my um the past is always it's cool you know but I also don't over glorify it you know what I mean it's it's something the present moment moment sort of the past so I give respect to the past but the future that's just we choose in this moment how everything is going to play out, you know, there's someone around us and we chose and choose in this moment, which one to walk through all these options and decisions and that about the present moment. That's what I love about meditation too, because it's, it's just like dives back into the most, most part ever being really, which is the present, you know, but then, and, and yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, no, you can finish up. It's okay. I just wanted to add a lot of sci-fi stuff as a kid, so that that's a big other like source of inspiration into like the potential scenarios and supernatural fantasy really triggers imagination, I guess, you know. Robert, you just did something that I love when it happens on the series is when the guest does not know the next question that I'm going to ask <laughs> or the next topic I'm going to talk about and how you just gave me some segue by talking about science fiction in the future. Nice. It's leading right into my next topic conversation I want to talk to you about. Tell our DJ Sessions audience about Sphere. Oh, yeah. Sphere is my planetarium show. So to track back a bit, in 2018, I was playing the same clubs and same festivals all over again. And I was like, I want my music to know um so it was like where where could i play like off the beaten path what, what, what's like a different experience in a cinema no that, that doesn't work because also they would just want to show movies if could. so i talked to the planetarium in berlin and they were like yeah sure you could play here do but they never really make use of the technical capabilities of the pa stereo and they just project something into the dome, which is like warped visual. No, what if I made a show for the planetarium, which employs like the surround, like the actual dome visuals. And it was a bit of a crazy idea because little did I know it would be. Not only to mix the show in third order, order ambisonics, you know, which is like Dolby, Dolby Atmos is like nothing compared. Um, and then the visuals they needed to solution with a certain like fish eye um filter on it so it's in the in the dome right so one minute of the visuals rendered for one week five minute show oh my. rendered for 45 weeks 
you know, and we used in Berlin to help with that, with that you know, because it's not just one computer doing it. But the result was, was um, is this really, really amazing. I have to say it's amazing because I felt after those 45 weeks when it was, was finally able to be experienced in the dome, I was like, holy shit, we really created something here. Because it feels like you're in VR glasses, but you're in a seat, you're like in the cinema, but you're in the visuals, the visuals are around you and immersive. So it's a trip, yeah. I'm happy we did it. And then we played a full tour of Planetary. Um, they were all sold out, by the way, which was amazing. I didn't know, but... Um, and we ended up winning some awards like Best Immersive Experience Festival and etc. So it was a big splash and a, a big moment for me is understand just go out of my comfort zone of what I think I can do or what I have done a bit, then I can really create something that I didn't even know I wanted, you know, until I made it. Yeah, we're we are huge fans of virtual reality and emerging technologies here at the DJ sessions. We just launched our two um, versions of our, our nightclubs, our VR nightclubs and alt space. I just got off the phone call with the Web3 team that's putting some awesome stuff together. And they just showed me a, 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 another world that we're going to be talking to. And they're taking us into their world. They, all these things, though, it's so interesting. Like you say, you know, for, for me to hear the word 45 weeks to render, I just cringe. I mean, from a video production standpoint, I'm like... Gosh, if it takes like, and I'm just throwing some graphics on stuff, but I remember back in the day when I was making my first movies in college and I wanted to take my first short film that was like 10, 10 and a half minutes long. And I wanted to just convert it to black and white. And I'd have to hit that button. And luckily I talked to the computer lab and it had to render for a week to render that whole movie out. Yeah. And we were scared that if somebody went in the computer lab and they turned off the computers, my render right. wouldn't have finalized. And I like, no, my whole project and we have to start it all over again. You know, because I didn't oh, have man. the I didn't have the five six thousand dollars to buy a, a G three Mac at the time. I think we were using Final Cut Pro two, but that was just basic black and white. Now you click a button, it's black and white, and there's no rendering needed, yeah. pretty much. You know, it's that's done on the fly or done in the background. But wow, forty five weeks, and that's awesome. I would have loved to have seen that. Has that project transcended into any talks about doing something in virtual reality, like making a virtual planetary? planetarium or a virtual sphere almost yeah. that somebody could immerse themselves in. Are you allowed to talk about it? I don't want to have you break any NDAs yeah, I, or anything. Actually, um, so, I mean, the pandemic kind of came in between because what happened, I was invited by Facebook uh, who own um, Oculus uh, to do a mm -hmm. talk about, heard about it and they have this speaker series, like their own internal like TED talk where they invite people stories to share with their creators creative team. So I was invited up there to give a talk about Sphere and after that who are on the same campus, so to speak. And we were exploring like how far and stuff, but then it, everything kind of, you know, the pandemic happened like sort of, and then everything kind of diluted and I need to really like pick back up. Um, but also my attention shifted to a lot of other project boring and stuff so yeah there were there were talks about that but it's really an effort to get back on track and be, be like you know are we gonna do this and uh, it's it's on my agenda so busy and distracted with other projects that it ha hasn't materialized yet but it's definitely on too Awesome. Well, I'll be looking forward to, to following you and, and making sure that we stay in touch uh, to get you back on the series and talk to you about that. Because like I said, I, I, yeah. I see VR. If, if you watch the progression over time, and of course, we started in probably growing up in an analog kind of world in music production right. and then seeing it go into the digital world. And then, you know, the advent of websites coming out. And then we saw social media come into place, you know, with technology changing all the time. This will lead right into my right. next question, by the way. Um, but then now we're seeing the VR and, and what you're doing with three, 360 immersive experiences, but now augmented reality, we're on the precipice of that just right. being released commercially into the market with Meta coming out with Project Aria and, and, and the talk of the, uh, 
the Apple eyeglass, if that's what it's going to be called. Um, we know Google mm -hmm. and Sony and Microsoft are probably all working on stuff too that they haven't talked about or releasing. And then just the, the, the evolution of the headsets of the, the, you know, Oculus headsets that you mentioned. I picked up an Oculus headset last yeah. year in April of last year. And within owning it for two days, I went and bought my mom and dad one <laughs> and said, you got to get this. My mom's like, I don't play video games. And like, mom, it's not a video game, <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. And, and then over that course of the next few months, I talked about how do we take the DJ sessions and get people into a 3d experience? Cause it's been such a 2d almost television world experience. And I'm excited for when AR comes out and I don't think we're going to have computer screens or TVs in the home anymore. You're just going to put on the light pair of glasses or you're going to have our contacts in and pop up our big screen TV or go out to a park or a playground. And I could be right. watching under the star. I could go to Joshua tree and be mapping out in a planetarium. So all the constellations are popped up right there in AR with an overlay like that. Yeah. And having that kind of experience, I think it's just going to be huge. So um, congrats on that experiment. Or I, I wouldn't say experience, 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 and hopefully that. Well, it was both. It was an experiment <laughs> that turned into an experience. <laughs> well, maybe you could talk to the meta team over there and see if you can use their server farm and not take 45 weeks next time. I <laughs> know. Right? You can take like 45 days or something. Totally. But um, speaking yeah. of technology, though, technology moves, does move fast in the electronic music production DJ land. Mm -hmm. If you could think of something that's yep. not on the market today, but in your vision would be really amazing to be to have out there, what would that be? You know, I love randomization a lot. Um, DST has a randomized button, and it just randomizes sounds and um, units, just because it gives me ideas that I wouldn't maybe necessarily have looked for myself, something that I didn't know I was looking for essentially so if that could be um more globals you know that everything is connected like my, my whole studio would be connected to what maybe even like the analog synth and stuff and there could be some i don't know just like like dials up different settings on all these things you know so you just like have because i think a lot of the times my music consists of happy accident. I know what I'm doing on the synth and then it's doing this thing and I'm like, oh, this is actually cool. Then I record that, I blow it down. It, it's like, oh, what is this, you know? So it's almost like a kid in a candy store just like boring, you know? Or like, like a deep space explorer, just it's like he doesn't know what he's in for or like some on the with a submarine or something, like seeing all these crazy creatures. I would love more exploratory way, you know? So if there's any technology that would um, facilitate that even more, that'd be cool. I don't know what that would be, but, but like I feel somehow. <laughs> do you do you work with stems by any chance? Yeah, projects when I'm done with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would would is there a button that you can hit to randomize and switch the stem tracks around to get a whole different remix on that? I, I'm not, I barely know anything about that technology. I, I just remember uh, a, a acquaintance of mine up here in Seattle had taken, he built an app. The producers would submit their stems in the app and then the people would go into the app and mm -hmm. make their own tracks. And then they'd rate and like let people win, you know, contest or prizes in the app that they Got would it. then send back to the artist and say, hey, this is the stems that won with the most votes on it. And the artist would use that and release that as their track, which I thought was kind of interesting, well, kind of user-generated random. You're talking about this kind idea. of randomness there. Yeah, I like that. You know, I, like that. Um, I didn't know about that app, but that's that's a cool I, idea. I, I'm not sure if they, idea for sure. I, I'm not sure where it's at right now, but it was mm -hmm. a really awesome concept about five, six years ago. Uh, here out of They were based right. out of Seattle. Maybe they, sold the, maybe they made the app and sold it off to – Apple, so they could use it in GarageBand or use yeah. it somewhere. Or something. So no. there's some company sitting there. But um, if you could host an event, because you did these these Sphere events, if you could host an event of your own without any limitations, mm -hmm. name five things you would have at that event. Okay, I would have like a, a very big immersive sound system. Um, you know, like 
omnidirectional sit on, on on that system also so like one sound would only come from the top left and like you know with these new systems it's possible to go go like laser sharp direction of a sound really just exists right here and nowhere else in the in the acoustic field so i would employ um then i would either employ like a giant dome because i'm being up able to look up into a dome and see visuals that sort of wrap around because what you spoke about um, if it's on your retina already or in the google glasses then it would be them but it would definitely be immersive visuals and then it would also probably host like some ceremony or um i don't want to call it like sound bath uh, like a taste to it that, that some people are like oh, oh that's like a community i don't mess with or whatever like people have like ideas about what these things are but my intention always is to to make music also like a healing and experience you know like sort of what a sound bath is so it's like these frequencies that wash over your releasing stuff and it's like good good for you so i would want to have that intention with the employ technology to reach that goal still got two more wow <laughs> use up two is three Okay, then just go like also involve taste and smell. There would be like a really amazing curated catering around that. That's kind of maybe kind of theme to the visuals that you're seeing. And lastly, smell, you know, like I personally, um, I love smelling flowers and even food when it's Indian food. I love, you know, the smells and the kitchen when I go into like Indian. So um, I think smells are really powerful too because they're really, they give you associations like memory. For example, I lived in New York um, many, many years ago for a couple of months of a specific, I don't know if it, if it was like a laundry detergent or something. It wasn't like, but whenever I smell that kind of like cleaning chemical, I'm like right back in that apartment. And I love that about smell, you know. Like it gets you right back there. Sound can work that way too, you know, but be like um, immediate about smell. So I would employ these two sensory. It'd be interesting if they had at the 4D experience in the movie theaters, they kind of got, you're in the seat and you're feeling the shaking and bumping and moving around. They got the wind that blows. They got the water that kind of shoots out at you and it gets wet. But I, I wonder if they have a smell one that says like, like, and how would they yeah. get that smell and then clear the smell out? Right. You know, but if somebody's eating popcorn and do I want to smell something if I'm eating popcorn or a hot dog? Like That's right. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're watching a movie where maybe there's something happening. Maybe is that going to make, make people throw up or whatever? So, <laughs> exactly. Not um, sure about that. But actually, I thought of one more thing. Maybe I'm just going to substitute the taste for that thing because I'm really interested meaning to say how the body um, basically music through the ears, but also through the whole body, right? So it's like mm -hmm. the tactile sensation. And there's things that are being created where you feel the resonances of the of the frequencies in your body. You have to employ that too. So people are maybe reclining on chairs that have those uh, capabilities, that's or something. Because I think our body really receives information not only through, but like all the cells, the, the skin, one big organ. So as well. Mm -hmm. Do you produce at a higher um, frequency level when you produce produce stuff? Or are you, I think, what what's the standard? Is it 432? Is that the standard or four? four I should, I should. Yeah, like four, you, you mean like um, in terms of like, like when you master? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I usually I do like um, 24 bit, but I can also do like 30 people. Also, like to work in uh, 96 kilohertz or whatever, which I don't hear the difference myself. You know, I tried it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if I go 44, um, um, I'm sure there's something very scientific and geeky that will tell you, oh, it's the bit depth <laughs> and uh, resolution and whatnot. But I'm like, yeah. if I don't feel it, then it's just like a 
mathematical, theoretical endeavor that mm -hmm. I need to employ. But I'm sure a lot of people in the chat might be, no, that's not true because <laughs> they're weapons, you know, but, but I'm good with the one I work and with at the moment. Earlier, we were talking about your, your production background and having, you know, doing, working for like Amazon Prime and, and the Blacklist, the series. If you could choose one director or one producer in Hollywood to work with, to score soundtrack with that you haven't, who would that be and why? Wow, that's a good question. I love Alexander Garland. He's a sci fi director. He did, um, um, that's a really amazing movie if, if you haven't seen that I really like um, um, I'm blanking on this last the guy who did Blade Runner and um, Dune I'm just oh like, my gosh yeah. why am I blanking that yeah it's on the tip of my tongue but anyway, anyway right French director and um, yeah he's amazing I mean Arrival, time favorite sci-fi movies, and that's the first one I watched from him. Went on to do big things in Hollywood, of course, with Blade Runner and Dune. Dennis Villeneuve. I mean, that that be a thank you. Yeah, we um, got this wonderful thing called the internet. I didn't pull that out of my head. <laughs> I knew Denny, but uh, blanked on the on the second name. But he he just has like a Indian approach to Hollywood, which I like, you know what I mean? He, he make and they're like, I mean, if you saw Dune, it's like a really bombastic movie. But I think from a different angle, and I, I just like the angle he comes from, whatever angle that is, whether it's a European angle at all or objective angle. But I love the uh, um, filmmaking and um, work with, just because of the topics and the, the way he tells the stories visually and um. I think I just saw they, obviously they put Dune 2 into production and I think the next time I go see it I am going to go see it in IMAX or at the best yeah. theater I can go see it in with the best sound system there was something I was reading uh, about uh, maybe a couple of years ago and how they were talking about how the production the audio quality gets mixed down that these movies get created with almost an IMAX or Dolby Atmos or 7.1 right. surround sound but then by the time they get into your TV, it's been so bounced down that it's just stereo audio left and right, you know, and you're just missing right. the entire experience of what you should be feeling there. It's all squished down into this left, right channel. Or if you're watching That's on a pair bad. of headsets, you know, it's, it's a left, right experience. And, you know, it'd be interesting one day yeah. when we get a surround sound kind of headset system that we'll be able to know this is forward sound and this is left, right. And this is rear sound and this is above sound. And, you know, maybe the next, pro you know, meta probably already has that built in their 10 years out in their versions of headsets of having a surround sound capability of being, and when you yeah. look and move around, you're going to turn and it, they kind of do that. Now you turn to left and there, it gets a little louder over here. You got spatial audio. Oh yeah. Um, but you also have algorithms that um, simulate Dolby Atmos on headphones. Okay. phones. I mixed my last album in Dolby Atmos, for example. And if you're on Apple Music, which supports it, Deezer, Spotify doesn't. So if you're on Apple Music, you listen to my last record, Atmos Mix, which does all that. Awesome. But it's like an algorithmic awesome. um, actual Dolby Atmos. But it, 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 it like simulates that. It's, it's good enough, but like you're saying, future, that's all going to get better and more sophisticated so mm -hmm. that's going to be exciting mm -hmm. and watching Netflix a lot of people just watch it on their laptop or whatever you know which is so sad if you watch a show like Ozark which I love the soundtrack of yeah. there's a lot of low end stuff don't hear you almost don't hear the music if you watch it on your laptop so I always yeah. watch it hooked up to like a good sound quality headphones because it has so much depth to it which really adds to the scene i'm just, just the audiophile can't help but you know <laughs> a few last questions here if someone wrote a biography about you what do you think the title should be uh, i 
I don't know. Honestly, I don't know because somebody else would write that, and I I wouldn't want to. That came up because one of my my favorite records is "The Love Supreme" by John Coltrane. I want to steal okay. that word from him, but I, th I think it's a great headline for my life because it's also a love to music and 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 just like the excitement and the love to, to the things that I do. That um, it's it's always been very intuitive. You know, I really listen to my gut too. I try to. I've not been. Um, Conditioned drop in Western society, all about like facts and logic and left brain, and I'm realizing that I love from that. Um, but I'm not really answering your question. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you question. are. You are. Yeah. It's a it's a very open-ended question. You can answer it. There's no wrong answer to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the answer is I don't know. The love, Sup uh, love I don't know. supreme is, is a good title. <laughs> Awesome. And if there is anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know about, what, what, what would you, anything you want to share with them? Anything we left off the table or didn't get to? Covered a lot, actually, yeah. I <laughs> I wouldn't know where, I mean, there's a lot of them. But yeah, I would just invite people into my sound universe by boring, you know, like join me on, on um, Instagram or using Apple Music, you can just dive in there. I'm always happy to welcome people who work to, to dive a little deeper, you know, and then get familiar with it. And also just like drop me a DM if you're watching this and you have some comments or whatever. I promise I'll answer to everything, but I'm actually making an effort to answer quite a contact submission on my website too and stuff just because I like to hear from people and uh, loved when I reached out to artists when I was you know further down my career ladder and they bothered writing back so I, I really make an effort doing that myself too awesome and where can people find out most the most information about you? what's the, to stay up to date with everything you have going on where's the best place to, to have them go to um, I mean if you want to join my newsletter that's definitely Definitely a good place on my website. You know, Rob has a newsletter you can sign up to. Uh, but also, if you just like want to check in on Instagram, so these are two good. And that's good. that's the Instagram right there. But. And uh, robot knocked, not Koch. Like I tried Koch. Koch without Kotsch. the. Kotsch. Or if you say it in German, it's Koch. Jalapeno, like this, Gosh. The, that that sound, yeah. Um, one last question I, I have. Will you, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's a tricky name for for English speakers. Anyway, <laughs> and I just was reminded. Effort. I was just reminded that. Thank you. Um, are you gonna be at ADE this year? No, I'm not. I was there. Um, the one. I'm not going to be this year, though. 2018, from what I... Yeah. I don't think they did... Well, 19, I think, was the last one. Yeah, that's the one like I went that. to. Like, the last... Awesome. Last one before the pandemic. We're looking forward to yeah, going there. Yeah, first time going there. there. Oh, yeah, good. Enjoy, man. And that's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a really fun one. Going to be some fun stuff. Also, well, Amsterdam's a cool... Yeah, we'll definitely be following you and staying in touch with you with everything you have coming up. Follow the Instagram... Follow, go to his website, sign up for the newsletter, everything that Robert has going on. He's got it going. He's, he has a lot coming out, especially check out that latest first track release, Circle 28, off the Foam and Sound upcoming album. Robert, thank you so much for coming on the DJ sessions today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. You're welcome. Absolutely. On that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or Meta. Uh, we're Twitter. Yeah, that other one. We're everywhere. We're out there on the web. You can even find us on Roku, Amazon, uh, Google Play, and soon to be Apple TV. Check out our VR nightclubs. But all that information, 600 news stories a month, live interviews just like this, exclusive mixes, and more at thedjsessions.com. I'm Darren, and that's Robert Notch, like Scott. <laughs> Did I get it right finally? No. <laughs> You get a free pass to just like 
remix my name each time. It's, like, it's all good. Oh, that's. I'll have to go in. And I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. You. I know some audio tricks. I'll, I'll go see if I can fix it. But no, we like to leave everything live and candid here on Raw the DJ sessions. Yeah. Robert, thank you again for coming on the series. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. For having me.